Craig. Hey, we kind of got a bot. It's kind of live. All right, let's start streaming. Hey, it's Flail for Oh, no, now we're streaming. Now we're live. Now we're live. Hey, everybody. Hi, from your basement. It's Friday night. It, huh? No, I'm not. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yes. it's flail forward. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, I am Kapoor. We have Fred and Rob here. Mm -hmm. Hello. Well, here, I don't know. Do we have Fred and Rob here? Yes. yes. As much as I exist anywhere. Oh, <laughs> good. yeah, right. Fair enough, me too. Okay, so we're talking about metacurrencies tonight uh, because those are interesting in RPGs, ostensibly. Do I have any? Yes. Well, no. No, technically. You're gonna have you're gonna have to explain that one. Yeah, <laughs> I have, but not right now. Yep. First, we'll talk about what they are. Probably what what is a metacurrency, and then uh, what what do you do with it? And then what does the player do with it? And uh, what does the GM do with it, maybe? And then uh, why is that good or not? And then maybe we'll uh, discuss why we uh, put them in our games or not. Or what sure. we do with them. Yeah. Or why we like them or dislike them. And uh, which ones are cool and not cool. So there. That's the episode. Which one of them fucks? Which one of them fucks or slaps? <laughs> or slaps, or slaps yeah. Um, yeah. Or slap fucks. Okay. Anyway, meta currencies are currencies that do not exist in universe or are not tangible there and are frequently not even directly related to. Yeah. No, not that frequently, given not thinking about the examples I know. But. Uh, that's the, the example of currency. Oh yes, the the biggest example that people of people who are getting into RPGs at the same period as me is probably Fate Points. That's probably the one that a lot of people know, but I'm not even sure if that's relevant anymore. Fate Points is uh the one that I was going to jump to first, yeah, because that's virtually the entire engine of Fate, or half of it. Yeah, powered by fake points, and um, <clears throat> although one that people may be more familiar with if they're familiar with 5e would be inspiration, which is the thing the weird little tacked on mechanic that is your high five for doing a role playing thing in DD. Now, even though weirdly enough, uh, none of the groups I've actually played with have used it. So I don't know how much of a widespread mechanic it is. I used it when I ran 5e. I used it liberally, but that's kind of more my style. So, Right. I would imagine so. You're very liberal. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, metacurrencies are just, you know, things you spend in the ga in game terms to get other things in game terms, generally. Yeah, can, you know, the, often things within the fiction too. Ah, <clears throat> that's interesting. What 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 is so? What's the difference between a meta currency and an in-game currency? 
Uh, oh. Well, I mean, are you talking about in-game currency as in, like, you know, gold and D&D? Because um, I feel yeah, like... Start gold, so gold and D&D is, you know, you, you get some things for killing monsters, you exchange it for goods later on, basically. And services. And services, uh, you know, depending. Some services, more servicey than others. Yeah, and that's... I mean, that's sort of in game terms, but sometimes you get stuff that is, as I said, in the fiction. Like, you can get a lantern or a house, which is, you know, uh, an advantage in the game, but mostly just something within the fiction of the game and yeah. the story. Yeah. Or perhaps a bookstore or something like that. Hmm. That has or, no, no adventuring value, ostensibly, right? It's like you can't take it into a dungeon with you or beat a dragon with it, but. Hey, it's neat. I own a bookstore. And from my understanding of D&D, you can do both of those things with a bookstore, but okay. That's a really good point. Bookstore's a bad example. Let's say ceramic shop. Let's say, let's say you want to start a, 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 a Color Me Mind franchise in D&D. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Because, oh. because gnomish pottery and, and color, colorful things are, you know, well, I don't know. Dude, why do you want to start Gnomish Color Me Mine in D and D? That's not. It's not a. I don't. You know. Take, I don't know your insides. Uh, yeah, and then like for example, and then bleh, so in-game currencies versus meta currencies. If we're going back to that, right? Um, I, so meta currencies are then like if we're talking about fate points, it's uh, something you earn through. Oh God, I can't remember exactly what fate points are, but through a variety of reasons, mostly within the story, and then you spend them to gain advantage in the game like you Ugh. someone else talk about fate points because i can't fucking remember it's been so long yeah. i don't like fate oh all right uh fate points all right so uh what you do with the fate point uh you can get a plus two to a roll or you can re-roll the dice on basically anything uh you get the plus two by invoking an aspect on your character sheet one of those things that uh makes your character uniquely them uh or you can spend a fate point to some games you can do it to activate a stunt. Um, the, the like more powerful stunts, I think. Uh, and let's see, what else could a fate point do? Oh, it can be used to uh, compel a enemy's aspect or 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 an aspect in the scene, uh, thereby bringing it into the narrative and uh, me- mechanizing it with a basically a plus two again or minus two if you like. You know, that's your flavor. So that's what the fate point does. So basically, it's the player saying, hey, this fiction is slightly different now, or we're going to focus on this part of the fiction. I'm going to spend this currency because I, I can't. Uh, otherwise, we're just going to say I focus on all the parts of the fiction and give me advantage and none of the stuff that gives me disadvantage. Right. So the idea is that there's some sort of give and take between the narrative and that give and take between the narrative and the player is represented by a little token called a fate point. Mm hmm. Yes, it uh, doesn't have really much in-game currency. Yeah, fate, fate doesn't have in-game currency unless you want it to. Um, <laughs> what I was going to say is you is the way you earn them is you either get them to a default amount at the start of a session called a refresh in fate, which is a number that is that is subtracted from your number of learned stunts in a weird, but that that's more about talking about the mechanics of fate than we really need to, but. Uh, <laughs> 
and the other way you earn them is if the, is if the GM compels them, or if you're playing Fate how I've how every game of Fate I've actually run, you compel them on yourself because you know you yeah. have a dumb idea and uh, and the game wants to reward you for screwing yourself over. Um, right, so it pays to screw yourself over in the way that you like, rather than rather than yeah. some other way, and then you also get that bonus banked for later when you care about something you're going to spend the bonus on it and uh, then uh, hey cool story happens from that you hope hmm. <clears throat> so that's a good that's a that's a that's that's a really well integrated thoroughly integrated meta currency like you can't actually i don't know i can kind of imagine fate without fate points it would be a really weird game in a lot of ways. <laughs> I think it would be a very slow game in a lot of ways. Is how I would describe it. Actually, yeah, it would be kind of. It would be more boring, basically. Yeah, it would be crunchy. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It would be crunchy without with with depth with very weird modular depth. Because mm -hmm. uh, the whole idea of fate is stunts are. Uh, crime, and that is why they release fate setting books. Um, so, all right, I I have a fit. the part of fate I don't like is actually uh, the fact that stuns can have infinite mechanical complexity or zero arbitrarily as a joke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what what a stunt! Like what a stunt is supposed to be. Uh, yeah, varies widely. There's no, it, it, you know, there's there's a there's a there's a there's a kind of like eyeballed amount of that that is that a stunt is supposed to help you, but in there's many fate books where the things are just all over the place and it's really hard to gauge. So I completely, I resonate with what you just said. Yeah. Okay, um, to talk about the slightly older uh, meta currency uh, benefit that uh, certain people will know, uh, who uh, Savage Worlds has bennies, which is maybe not the oldest version of it, but it is certainly the oldest version I would consider somewhat mainstream. Mm. And bennies are very similar to fate points, except I think that you can spend also spend them on damage, and they are less integral to the system. <laughs> yeah, kind of. There, I mean, I have played some Savage Worlds games where the Benny economy was really was more centralized, yeah. uh, and people were spending and getting them like m much more rapidly. And I played in Fake Game and Fake Savage Worlds games where it was like, you know, the three you got at the start of the session was it, and it was, you know. We weren't making we weren't even making a lot of rolls, so that it kind of made sense. But in like the more action oriented games, like there was much more back and forth. Oh, I, I will just say in the Savage World game I played, uh, most of the time we didn't even spend the three we started with, <laughs> huh? Because uh, we were weirdly hyper competent, and I don't know how that happened. Huh? Because the the most most of the time, what we would use them for, or what they got used for in games I played in. Uh, was re like automatically recovering from shaken, which is 
generally yeah that, that, that sounds useful that sounds useful if you don't if you actually um get into fights that can't be solved by uh how should i phrase this they can't be solved by the horrible demon just exploding at them right uh there was this really weird thing where the combat of efficacy of our group was so wildly varied that if we create if the person running it had created an adequate challenge for the two combat oriented characters they would kill the rest of us in one hit so you know oh i got you right right dungeons and dragons third edition syndrome yep yep yeah 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 familiar that is a weird as a weird scenario that okay that that almost goes into the no also also <laughs> conditions were specifically less relevant because uh i was an idiot because i was the person who took the pacifist trait so uh, most of what i got to do in combat was make people better at shit and also which was actually very powerful in that game i will say yeah and, and also put stuff blood back into them which has a side effect of curing certain statuses and i think shaken is one of them if you use the the version i had or something i forgot the exact exactly well that happened well i remember shaking a being super commonly inflicted and b not really mattering all that often even in the even in the like one combat every three sessions that it was anyway i that sounds like a really weird game of savage worlds what i know oh but... yeah it's extremely uh, <laughs> uh i i uh, i'm not gonna get into that tent into that conversation fred but uh let me tell you about Doctor of uh, Deputy Doctor Dallas Doe sometime. <laughs> if I can remember that and pronounce it, I absolutely will. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so one of the other ones that for some reason jumped into my mind when we started to talk about meta currencies was the like light side, dark side points from Force and Destiny and the the Star uh, Wars games. I... I know of them, and I have not played them, so you two should talk about them and t actually explain them to me. I've only read the book, so... Uh, um. Oh, okay. So I, I have actually run Force and Destiny before, and I played in a pretty extended game of Edge of the Empire, which kind of folded into the Rebellion game, uh, which I, I am blanking on the name of right now. Um, so, I, I, you know, it's... no. I like the I like the Fantasy Flight Star Wars games for a bunch of reasons. One, they made non Jedi's effective and cool, so that was a big <laughs> that was a big bonus in my eyes uh, because a lot of the cool. I mean, hey, everybody wants to be a Jedi in Star Wars, right? That's a, but once you've done it a few times, uh, like I played a, in a couple of Jedi games or played as Jedi's in a, in a number of Star Wars games, so at that point i was kind of like well i i the game doesn't really support the kind of jedi i want to play like most star wars games don't and so uh i you know i kind of want to do something different and the fantasy flight ones supported that really well uh force points in that game were weird so <clears throat> they had 
there was a system-wide meta currency called uh, Destiny, and Destiny points, Destiny, and there was there was an a flip side to them. So, like when you bought the dice because you had to buy the dice in order to play the game, it came with uh, little cardboard punch-out tokens for Destiny and Dark Destiny, whatever the fate. I don't know. Uh, on the other side, and uh, you had t- two of these per player in the game, I think. Um, and so uh, at the start of the game, you flipped over a certain number of them, so half of them were flipped. I can't remember the, I can't remember the actual number that you were supposed to start with. Anyway, um, but there were some dark and some light, and then you would flip them to uh, basically upgrade dice that was the main reason there was there were some narrative things you could do with them but i don't remember that being a consistent use of them and I, we really didn't use them that much because it was so much better to keep the dark side points minimized because the gm flipping those things to light side to use the red dice was much worse than like letting the GM add those was much worse than than uh, the benefit of adding uh, the good dice to your pool. So what ended up happening was because the the red dice had crit failure marks on them that none of the other dice had. So adding those to your pool was like ah that's that that could be really bad. So as a result, players, myself included. Uh, just kind of wanted to starve those dice out of existence. And so when the GM flipped those over, very rarely did any of us flip them back. Um, and so that was the weird meta currency in that game. The force points in that game uh, were generated by force dice, a D12 with dark side points and light side points on them, like, like little circle pips. Uh, not one to twelve, but uh, like blank one or two, and I think the dark side had more twos. And so when you roll force dice, uh, you got to spend the pips on powering force powers. And if you spent only light side points, well then it was, uh, you know, light side. And if you spent dark side points, you could basically power it more, but you would take corruption or something like that uh, which was a d100 scale i believe and you would roll on that at the d a d100 on that at the start of every session and then something bad would happen if you got underneath it as a jedi so there wasn't like a massive incentive to not use the dark side points, it was pretty like low key. So you were kind of you're kind of expected to do it a bit. Uh, in the West End games, I don't really remember the dark side light side points. I know I think they were there. I remember in the D twenty game, like it was much more that thing was like a meta currency and dark force points were uh, were they a bonus D bonus dice? I think if you yeah, I think it was a bonus D six. And then force users got a bonus D8 or something like that on certain checks or could get other stuff. Uh, and if you were force sensitive, you got more of them at the start of the session. Uh, 
So yeah, that's that's how those work. It's just as far as I remember, and anybody could fact check me on that and probably remind me. But Star Wars, I have I have a vaguely encyclopedic knowledge of those of those those game systems. I, I think I played them all. I liked uh, I liked the uh, what was the Square Book one. The uh, the it was not it was the D twenty one that was it came in a square book Destiny edition Destiny eh, I don't remember that was pretty good that was like almost that was like the fourth edition ish version it had some good ideas in it had some wonky ideas too like the uh, status track which was very exploitable. Uh, <laughs> that's enough about that yeah, that's, um, that's... so but to go back to what you were talking about earlier the um the meta currency that you're talking about from force and destiny it sounds like it's doing a similar thing to what the fate points are trying to do you know introduce kind of those ups and downs in the narrative um you know having your character fail and succeed but Interacting with the ones in the Star Wars game was much less interesting and rewarding than in Fate, so you didn't want to do it as much. Is that yeah, roughly right. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. Um, yeah, it just didn't have the. There wasn't. There, it, 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 it was. It felt just a little bit too lopsided. So no. Just weird. I, you know, it's it's weird to have asymmetrical, asymmetrical meta currencies like that. Uh, I can't think of. Huh. <clears throat> I'm not recalling any game that has asymmetrical meta currencies otherwise. Where it's like, when you when you spend it as a player, you get a certain bonus, and then when the GM spends it, they get a certain thing, and when they do it, it's worse. Uh, oh, maybe, maybe uh, Cortex, Marvel Cortex system, the Doom thing, because getting, getting enough Doom, so Doom uh, is represented by dice, and I think they, they start low and ascend to up to 2d12, meaning they start as 2d6, I think, and then as, as the players do heroic stuff in the scene... Uh, by spending and spend hero points to trigger abilities, uh, they add to the doom pool, and the doom pool increases the so it would go up to a d8 and a d6, and it goes up to 2d12. And at 2d12, the GM can end the scene with a bad outcome, basically. So that one's a, that one's an interesting one. Uh, because it's kind of lopsided in the player's favor up until the point when it isn't because they 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 you get a lot of mileage out of the out of spending those points in a scene and the, the gm kind of doesn't get a lot of mileage unless if, if they spend the dice i found it as a gm if i spent the dice then it moved me further away from the villain winning so I did it sparingly to like make sure like a minion stayed around another round. Maybe was was one time I did it, and then 
other than that, it was it was I found it much more effective to be a narrative threat in the scene, like the building dice. That the players have a mechanized like radar for. You know, there was like, oh, the dice are up to 2D10. Shit. Better, you know, take it, you know, this is this is getting scary type thing. So it 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 it, it acted as nice narrative pressure. Yeah. Hmm. Kind of going back to what we were talking about last time with pacing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it kind of, uh, yeah. In that game, I remember, I recall modulating the pacing quite a bit. Like, you could, you could, you could make a scene like pretty frantic if the dice were, you know, so if suddenly the dice were like a d12 and a d10, right? Like. People were like really scared to use their hero abilities, or like <clears throat> every roll had to go well, and nobody wanted to re-roll any dice. You know, it had to go like that. You know, it was like really kind of uh... no, it was cool. Uh, it, it it did the job of feeling like uh, I you were narrating panels of a comic book uh, because, and the, one of the ways it did that was the one of the ways you could spend. Uh, doom points as a GM was to separate the players. That was that was a specific use of it. Oh, so make more work for yourself. I don't yeah. know if you would ever do that. <laughs> <laughs> what a garbage thing to spend a resource on. No, I'm joking, of course, as a person who actively likes BBDA games. I was gonna say Catwar. <laughs> That is how I feel about it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a move best used sparingly, but it's a good move. <laughs> it's a good move when it's exactly what you want to do. <laughs> is what I will say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it's sometimes a, well, whatever. We don't need to talk about moves at BBDA. Yes. Well, we do if there, there's meta currency involved. Uh, not with no ones we're talking about. No. Yeah, very rarely. Uh, I will say that I do did actually have a P, write a PVTA, PVTA game with a meta currency. Technically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. Although, huh? No, I just I wanted to add a weird addendum to the Marvel thing. The other thing you could do is force two characters together who didn't want to be together. Like, you could put them in a room and trap them. That was another thing you could do with the Doom. Like, because one of the things that... One of the things that game mechanized was whether you were solo, in a partnership, or on a team. And you had better dice depending on the scenario you were in. So, like, Captain America is really good when he's on a team. And not and not great solo, and like less good with a partner exactly like like that he's much better when he's uh got got people to direct and support and like whereas like the punishers or wolverine is like best solo and less good like in the other so one of the ways you could mess with the players the gm has forced them into situations where they had to use their their crappy teamwork dice whichever it was so yeah that was another weird asymmetry of that game that actually sounds really neat. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, I was going to say uh, the main uh, PPTA game that people that you can actually look at that has a metacurrency is the one where, well, it's very much a thing in the game, but it has a, uh, what's it called? What sort of the week has luck, which is a very. I'm sorry, I didn't catch the title. Monster of the Week. Uh, oh, it's also by Evil Hat. It is the most sexless PBTA game in existence. Most senseless? Sexless. Sexless. <laughs> most sexless. Right. Yes. Most of the PBTA games sort of have sex moves. Or, I mean, Apocalypse World has sex moves, and then many other of them are, you know, borrow liberally from that. So. Well, yeah, but yeah, most of the, the most common design that I've seen and what I've read is intimacy moves, where it is more about emotional intimacy than physical sex. But that's just, hmm. uh, that's just that might just be the personal experience of what I've been browsing and all that and etc. But what I will say is, uh, luck is a mechanic in a PPTA game where you can where you get a certain amount of points of it in character creation, and you can just spend it uh, to give yourself a 12 plus on a roll and it makes things slightly worse for you forever. <laughs> what do you mean by slightly worse forever? Uh, it means that uh, specifically the lower your luck, the lower, the more unchecked luck you have and the more checked luck you have, the less generically lucky your character is supposed to be. It has specific mechanics for a few of the playbooks, but that is the that is the most generic version of it. Oh, okay, interesting. So it means what it means, basically. Uh, specifically, the 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 chosen one. Uh, the when they run out of luck, what happens is that is when they have to face their final destiny, whether they're ready or not. But it's not really a mechanic that I have a whole lot of love for. Uh, but <laughs> so you would say it's not a good meta currency? I I would say it is not a good good meta currency, but I would also say it's not as bad of one as my description of it made it sound. Because Monster of the Week is very much trying to have things slowly move to coming towards a climax in like 16 of its mechanics. So things that are actively like accelerate you to, to doom are more, how should I phrase this? They aren't like as upsetting as they would be in a game where you do not know how long the game is going to be and you don't. Like have that concept of oh the, this this is good this is going to this is going this is going to like move on forever and I don't know like how long how sparingly I should be using my luck points because I don't know know if this character is going to exist for twenty sessions or four <laughs> right <laughs> and I'm going to tell you that if that does, that should change how you feel about it, I would think. <laughs> yep. Definitely. Yep. Yeah, whether or not, I mean, the, that's so, it's such, so strange, right? Because so many games assume a certain duration of play and, and mechanize things based around that duration. 
and, and then don't tell the players that there's supposed to be a duration. Yep, and totally <laughs> the fact that there's an assumed duration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought about. Hey, do you guys don't tell me this? Do you guys consider experience a meta currency? Mm. Depends wildly on the system, and <laughs> there, that's a that's going to be a strange question. Okay, so. Uh, I should probably unpack that a little. Mm-hmm. In, okay, all right. So, in Dungeons and Dragons, levels are of are so tangible and integral to the world that that pretending that things that inter that things that interact with with giving you more power in and redefining your level don't exist as a physical state of the universe is absurd. Like. Uh, role playing wise, you shouldn't, but also calling them meta currency is very. I'm not sure if I'm explaining my point quite right. No, I follow you. May I may I rearticulate and see? It yes, see you it. should um, probably say it better. Okay. All right. Uh, are you saying that uh, the tangible benefit of the experience point is so felt by the characters? that in no sense should it be considered an out-of-game, like an out-of-world construct. Yes. And also, the the literal physics of the world are interact with the, interact with the endpoint of experience. Yes, there are. I mean, it, it depends on the edition for the most part, but yes, there are, there are ways of turning in experience points to get a fungible object in the game world. Like it, now, you have a sword made out of your your game session. And right. also, there the a uh, level twenty wizard is something that definitely exists in the game. Mm-hmm. It is a concept that if the if the people of the universe don't have a word for it, they should. That that is because that is because they are not exploring their world with the correct amount of scientific vigor. <laughs> Or the correct amount of, of of mystic contemplative depth. Yep. Take your pick. Basically, you'll you'll get to the same endpoint. Um, yep. Anyway, uh, well, that's really the endpoint of all endpoints. I mean, what, what, yeah, what, yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah, that, that's, that's what I'm saying. But uh, EXP and PVTA. Uh, while it produces real tangible abilities and unlocks potential, it, it is largely a currency that is defined not by the uh, not by accruing power, but by doing shit you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And well, the, the the logic would be that as you learn more about the world, you you develop your abilities better, and it has tangible benefits. Da da da. That's the meta logic. Of how that works, but right. What? But it doesn't feel as it feels slightly more meta than it. But it is also not something that you. It's also in neither case is it something. Is it a resource that is? How should I phrase this? Actually, let me rephrase that. Okay. So what I want to say is, in D&D, leveling up is a resource that is extremely out of the... How should I say this? 
it is extremely tangible to people to their to their wives da, da, da. i had a point and i just lost it give me a second sure okay I... yeah uh, what i was going to say is medicare is neither of them are a spendable resource that is spent on a player side neither of them are like something that a player declares they're both something that affects the character in the the abilities of the character not the abilities and narrative control of the player hmm. which is how i normally define a meta currency now that i think about it hmm. Hmm. okay okay yeah okay so the, the 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 experience system that got me to ask the question in the first place is well actually fred say something about this because i want to hear what you're thinking but i'm not then i'll go back to that um oh gosh i mean i mostly i'm kind of agreeing with cavoir though it is it's a little weird to explain because yeah it is kind of a hard question to answer um but i you know i would say experience isn't a meta currency because yeah it's not something you're spent you're like that there's not an economy of it basically that you're kind of spending back and forth um that i feel like goes with a meta currency okay so uh the game that the game that brought it to mind was riddle of steel because in that system uh you gain experience for following your drives your your um spiritual attributes which are, uh, uh, I think, ripped off from Pendragon, if I remember correctly. Anyway, those are ripped off, inspired by, take a pick. Um, the, uh, but the mechanic is, uh, when you do something in a game session that uh, either furthers your drive or um, uh, does something pertaining, you, you know, you take a significant risk pertaining to one of your spiritual attributes, and at the end of the session, or sometimes during, it depends. They, they they actually give the GM a little bit of freedom. They're like, say, some people like to do it like as soon as the event happens, and then other people wait till the end of the session. We waited till the end of the session. Uh, everybody, you know, you dole out experience points, and the experience points are what you get for following that particular attribute. Uh, but in game, uh, so so you get the points. You can then spend the points to increase um to increase uh an attribute or skill or you know get some benefit tangible benefit to your character's effectiveness um however until you spend the points they sit on your character sheet as dots that contribute d10s to tasks that your uh that that further your that particular attribute so let's say you have a drive that is uh you know because you were orphaned by this particular nation. You have sworn to uh, 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 kill all of, of, of these soldiers on site, right? So if, if you're doing that thing and you're in a fight with one of these guys, then you can be throwing your, your maybe you've, you've done this three times now and you know, you're further your goals some and you have three of these dice. You can be throwing three extra D10 uh, into your D10 pool where you know a standard pool is maybe like 10 dice. So it's a 30% increase on every roll when you're doing stuff to further this. So it becomes a meta currency when you're not spending it, which is kind of interesting. I see. That makes sense and is a lot more of a meta currency than a lot of EXP systems. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. But and then the other one that, that came to mind was uh, the more recent 40k game, Wrath and Glory, which I believe you can just spend XP. There's an X like you can spend experience that you gain in a session to get bonuses on rolls. I don't know why anybody would do that, but yeah, I remember seeing your mechanic. But so I have a question about the thing you're talking about, Riddle of Steel. Yeah. Because so, do you spend those to get those extra dice? No. Then I you wouldn't really call it. it a currency. Right. It. But it, the thing is, it, it's the the strange thing. It's not really a currency unless it's banked. It's 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 a because you access it narratively. So you don't you don't. I see what you're saying in that, like you're not the player doesn't have a tangible, like I'm depleting this resource to get this thing. But it's strange. What I'm what I'm, what I'm highlighting is the weird nature of it being like a holding pen that gets better as it gets bigger, and then when you spend it, it gets worse. Mm. So if you spend all the points in your you know drive to kill these particular kind of soldiers. Now you have, you know, maybe you're one better at swordsmanship or, you know, talking to people or whatever like that. Uh, but you have no D10s in there to to put towards doing things along that path. So it, it's a weird, it's, it, it, it's almost like an, inf- I don't know what you, how you would even classify that, but it came up. No, it's definitely an interesting system. I just wouldn't call it a meta currency. Um, okay, fair enough. Sort of bonus, but I don't know. I feel yeah. like a uh, currency, you pretty much are, you know, exchanging it. There should be some sort of, like, you know, spending and probably receiving back of it in general. I feel like that's really integral to something if we're talking about a currency. Or spent once? because So... Yeah, well, I mean, that, that would be like the XP in 3rd edition D&D, where like some classes, I mean, if, if you took a particular feat, you could spend experience to like make a sword or make a magic item or write a scroll or make a magic potion. Those all had experience requirements attached to them. Uh, I don't know personally a lot of GMs that rolled with those experience requirements because it seemed <laughs> weird. Mm-hmm. Um Pretty, like what happened was it's like when somebody took the feet, generally like once per downtime you could make a thing or whatever, you know, and it wasn't like nobody was enforcing the experience rule because everybody kind of agreed, like in a gentleman's agreement, like that was just sort of not not worth it. Mm. You know. Uh yeah. But I, I'm thinking of some I'm trying to think of some other games that, that do that, like allow you to spend some sort of uh because it comes from the GM saying you get experience, right? Generally speaking, well, no. See, in, in Apocalypse World or Powered by the Apocalypse games, generally speaking, experience comes from rolling a six or worse. Uh, that is one source, but not like the main one, unless you are rolling a lot of dice. Yeah, because there's also a lot of like moves that have that. Um you know, often that are in your playbook or whatever. Yeah. Right. And playbook XP triggers, I think. 
think those were in Apocalypse World. Uh, God, I haven't actually played a session of Apocalypse World in a while. Yeah, the, the, I am the same way, but yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right that there's XP triggers on those, and other PBTA games have similar things. Mm-hmm. Do you know? You guys know of any PBTA games that allow you to spend experience for other things besides advanced? No. <laughs> um. Yeah, I know. Can't think of one, and I. I can't. Oh God! Now I'm thinking of the Medicare of whether the dark stat in Apocalypse Keys counts as a meta currency. I'm. I'm sorry. Okay, so the primary stat that you roll with in Apocalypse Keys, which is a PBTA game based on, basically directly based on, uh, it's like Hellboy. Okay. Uh, yes. Uh, the d- dark is your main stat. It it gambles and goes up and down a lot. Like you gamble with it, and it goes up and down a lot. And if it gets too high you explode and cause problems. But so you what basically if uh god I need to remember how exactly how this works. But basically one of the primary ways that you get plus dark is you take it instead of a different instead of a disadvantage on a roll. Like one of the things like it it's Phrased as like one of the potential penalties, that if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like you get plus dark, which is, and you also roll a number of moves with dark as your stat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I huh? That's interesting because I was just putting something like that in my game. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's okay. Uh, I also literally have, uh, although it's party wide, I have a, I am, uh, in the in the in the rock band game that I ran here once. You know that one that also has a stat where increasing it it counts as a penalty and it explodes when it goes there, which is also way older than my playing of Apocalypse Keys. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the thing that it's tracking you finally found you, right? That's one of the ways it fucks up, yeah. I remember reading that. Uh, you ro- uh yes. That that one is uh it rolling it is purely a negative thing, so it's very different. Like in my game, it's purely a negative thing. So oh. whereas in okay. gaining it is yeah, gaining it in that game is is a benefit as a benefit tied to it, but rolling it is always bad. But unlike in Apocalypse Keys, where you want to roll it, it's it's a good stat to roll. Just has it's a uh, yeah okay. Ah, uh, what else? Okay. Um, Meta currency. What? Let's see. Fate. What? Let me see. Call. I'm calling. I'm just running, running through games in my head. GURPS doesn't have meta currency. Uh, Call of Duty doesn't have meta currency. World of Darkness. I need. 
it kind of various versions have tried to insert various meta currencies. Yeah. And you could debatably call whatever your stat that your your monster stat. It, you could debatably call that a meta currency, but also mostly not. Willpower. I mean, yeah. Willpower is a meta currency. Like generally speaking, you either do your virtue or your vice and get back willpower, and you spend that to get bonus dice on rolls. Mm-hmm. I think willpower is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then but so so is like generally your 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 but the, that's. Yeah, there's not really a tracked in-game narrative thing for how much willpower you have. Like, as opposed to the supernatural, uh, you know, fuel, whatever it is, mana or blood or... What's the werewolf one? I don't know. Howls? Whatever. <laughs> I, I, was referring, I was referring to the, the one that, it, that, like, humanity and... For vampires and that one? No, 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 not though. That that's not that's not that's not a meta currency. That's that's just attract, like yeah. role playing. You don't spend. I mean, no, you don't really spend that. That's just, and it's not yeah. a meta currency either because the character is sort of supposed to be aware of it at least. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know what I was talking about. Now that I think about it a bit more. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, willpower strikes me that one. And uh, let me see. I mean, if. If we're talking about something like that, there's luck or key or something else from feng shui. Oh, right. Oh, I guess you can spend in a variety of ways, but it can be spent as basically a meta currency. Right. It it can be spent as a meta currency, but it is a lot of times uh, something the character is extremely aware of and obtains through character actions. Which is, but it is sometimes spent on purely meta things that the character has no way of knowing. Yeah, luck is like that in Fall of Cthulhu, actually, now that I remember it. Like, you can permanently spend. Oh, I, I, I also described Apocalypse uh, Keys very long. Apocalypse Keys is a World of Darkness game. I know. Um, is an Apocalypse uh, Keys is an apocalypse, Powered by the Apocalypse game where rolling 11 plus is bad. Uh, and rolling eight to ten is good, and rolling seven or less is bad. Oh, okay. And most of the things are rolled with darkness, and and darkness is tokens. That's how it works. I remember now. Very good. Sorry, uh, sorry about explaining it wrong. It's okay. All right. I, I do not feel very injured. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What else? Uh, uh, so why do we put the why are they good? Why are meta currencies good? Um, well, because like we were talking about with the fate points thing, uh, they're kind of a way to influence the narrative and to have like interesting kind of beats for your character and in the story um, and have those be kind of mechanized so you you know you put them in the game make make sure they come up so to speak is part of it or can be a good part right narrative control yeah 
definitely part of it, you know. Um, oh, and yeah, and also like having a, a trade off. Yeah. As you said earlier, make those characters fail and also let them succeed in interesting ways. Sometimes. I didn't mean to drop you, Brad. Carry on. Uh, and sometimes uh, meta currencies can also just be used to, you know, empower the players. They don't have to be that back. They aren't always that back and forth thing, which is also good because, you know, those players being able to go, oh, I can do this interesting or cool thing is it's fun. And RPGs, you know, at least to a certain extent, are supposed to be fun. <laughs> RPGs are supposed to be fun? Yes. <laughs> Whoopsie daisy. <laughs> Most yep. of them. I, I, I accidentally designed an unfun RPG, Fred. What do I do? Uh, you make it fun. You put smiles on everybody. Oh, good. Honestly, honestly, I'm not sure. There are definitely some things that I think a lot of people would find fun, and even in the current version of Ashes of the Magi, unless it has rapidly changed while I wasn't looking. No, no, that's about right. Yeah, it, it, has, it has rapidly changed. It's it's it, it's evolving, but it, no, rapidly. Yes, I mean, I would not say its primary goal is fun, or that it its will... primary goal is engagement, and but the engagement is generally with unfun stuff. Or stuff that is horrific. Yeah, so. If you want. I mean, it's only as horrific as the players want it to be get. Like, it's it's not going to get worse than they want. That's the whole, that's kind of the whole point, too. Yeah. Okay. Because it is asking to instantiate the worst case scenario. So whatever they say, that that's as bad as it gets. Okay, so. I, I mean, in limits. But go ahead, yeah. Uh, just uh, what was I going to say? I do want to ask before we end this episode, and I know we're not there yet. Is Rob, you said d when you first said, Did my game have a meta currency? You're like, Yes, actually, no. I would like you to explain that in detail at some time before the, this episode okay. is over, right? So, uh, okay, why don't I just do that now? I don't, you sure, okay. <laughs> So uh, the the meta currency uh, weird in in Ashes of the Magi is spent uh, by the player to do narrative things, but the character is aware of it. So the character is is aware that they are, you know, sort of reaching into the mechanics of their their fate and messing with it. Uh, so it's not technically a meta-currency meta since they're aware, but they're also kind of aware that uh, well, yeah. That's what I mean. So it doesn't really have a, it doesn't really have a meta-currency. There's in-game currencies that are spent uh, as if they were meta-currencies and the player says when to spend them, but they're too much uh, the, the the player the, the characters are too aware of them, and the characters that they impact are aware that they are doing something strange to the story around them. So, yeah, that's it. Does that does that make sense now? 
Should I, can I explain more? Is there anything else? Do you need me to? Uh, you can explain more if you want. But you yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I mean, just that your game's weird, so. <laughs> what the hell are we yeah, do? yeah, a lot of games are weird. Okay, so why, why have meta currencies on a level that is not, uh, works for game, is it they by definition, uh, add, add a certain form of engagement with the rules that is the like, just by existing. So. Which creates two things. It distant. It does. It creates a star, uh, sharper player character divide, which is in how you interact with it. That's just a byproduct. That's not necessarily positive or negative, but it is something that happens. But it creates engagement by having to think about the rules in a different way and how you interact with the system. It's in the world on a player level, and I had a point here, and I think I hit it, but I don't know if I quite hit it. Gives you a more tangible way to engage with the game system, which which is always nice, and especially for some people, can be really helpful or nice, whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, I like tangible ways of interacting with the with the with the narrative. I like for players to have that. Uh, I like for players to be able to have an idea about how things should go, and then have some actionable way of incorporating that into what's going on. Uh, I think most GMs kind of do this as a matter of course, uh, but. I think it generally works best when they're directed to by the game and, and when the game makes space for that. Uh, so, yeah, that's why I like incorporating things like that into pretty much everything I design has always kind of, like, I've been trying to snatch narr like narrative agency back from the GM in different ways in most of the games I've made. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I definitely have a Cut. similar bent than GMs. <clears throat> yeah. And I say that as somebody who GMs hmm. a lot. Like I I like I like I like running games. And I realize one of the reasons I like running games is because I don't mind losing so that other people can win. Hmm. And so it doesn't really like it, it it's a strange place because I'm like I I'm encouraging you know in some sense you're encouraging your friends to beat your proxies when you're you know when you're running most games of of where that are like combat oriented right you're 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 sort of or well maybe you're not maybe maybe you're running a game where like you're actually you you are putting them through a series of tests and you, they may live and may they may not and you know that's your bag and that's cool too but generally that's not how I do things because it doesn't it, it's never seemed fair to me for one person to have all this narrative agency and for other people to have a small slice and to be like yeah well you didn't you know you didn't prepare the right Batman gadget for this trap so fuck you yeah it's Okay. It's not exactly fun to just 
basically fight God. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I haven't run into that that much. So I don't know how, how rare a thing, but I have, I mean, if the internet is to be believed, which, you know, I don't know. Uh, but people on, online have uh, posted all manner of horror stories of, of GMs doing exactly that and, and, you know, being very self-congratulatory about smashing players with their 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 very excellent mental construct <laughs> of a thing people should be able to think their way out of were they only mm-hmm. smart enough right. and and you go right but who is that fun for <laughs> yeah <laughs> like you're responsible for creating engagement for uh, us, you know at least five people like you know yourself included, and you 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 got one out of five, buddy. That's a it's a only a twenty percent success rate, F minus. <laughs> oh, it sounds like um, what the hell is that guy's name? John Wick. So you're describing <laughs> what he seems to advocate for, which I yeah I agree is not fun or fair. I've never heard him specifically advocate for that. But I, uh, and House, I mean, in his defense, since he's not here, uh, Houses of Blooded, which he wrote, is pr- pretty much just a narrative snatch fest. Like, it's just like you roll dice, and for every success, you get to add another clause to your, like, what happens. So it's literally mechanizing the narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you can say I jump out I I you know you 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 narrate a scene and you roll six dice and like four of them are successes so you say like okay I beat the guy with my sword and then I get away by jumping out the window and then I land on a you know cart or something like that which you know and you get all this narrative leeway based on how well you roll which is uh. Was there a game like that came out recently? I think it was seven, the new Seventh C is kind of like that, where where you uh, the stuff you do in a scene is like narrative is it has much more to do with like narrative command than specific actions. I have never, I never, I have never played it. I, I only got to skim one of the books once, but yeah. See, I'm only basing it off having read an old Seventh C book and a bit of play dirty. So, yeah, right. Yeah, maybe he's, maybe that's all better now. I don't know. It does sound that does sound much better than the stuff I was reading? Yeah, you would. Uh, you, I hope so. But yeah, I don't know how 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 much can you design asshole GMs out of the picture? I don't. I don't know that you can. No. Um. I mean, you can. Giving things like meta currencies to players can kind of help make it like make it less exploitable for assholes, but assholes are gonna be assholes. So uh. Right. I've never I mean there are systems that I it seems like assholes won't run because players have a certain amount of agency. 
Do you yeah, think that's I case? I would not be surprised. Like I yeah, I don't think you're gonna find a lot of like at least kind of uh, like groggy assholes. Like they're not gonna be running fucking monster hearts. But if they were forced to run monster hearts, ah. they would do it like a groggy asshole. That might be kind of fun though. Like a really like ru- rules is written hardcore like monster it would be weird. It would be super well, weird. The, I mean, it, yeah, it would be super weird. Um, because, yeah, like, well, that game isn't really built for that. Um. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just to see what happens. Well, now I do too, so I guess we'll have to figure this out somehow. Yeah. I so. <laughs> Um, but. Because that would be that's going to be ridiculous. This is going to be the most insane way to play that game possible, <laughs> right? Like, like to power game it would be. I mean, what would what would happen? Wouldn't wouldn't it just do go well, right? Because the mechanics are aiming you in a particular mm-hmm. direction, and if you power game them, like you're just going to make the story like hyper advance yeah it's also i mean it's a pretty easy game to our game to a certain extent because you have Mm -hmm. quite a bit more character power so if you're going on that road i don't know it it would be interesting (laughs) i haven't thought about power gaming monster hearts Yeah, what happens when you power a game like a narrative heavy thing? It just it just like you know, if the if it's built well, it just works better, right? Like you're just leaning into the mechanics that are supposed to push the game forward. And if you lean into them real hard, then they should push the game forward real hard. I mean, I don't know. Mm. <clears throat> you would think because like if you try and power game ashes, it just works. Like it just it just delivers what it's doing faster. Well, like you just get maybe it. that means yeah. that they're better games than, or I don't. I guess I shouldn't say better games, but better kind of narratively focused games. I guess I'll say to be a little nicer. I mean, they're more designed to have the outcomes that that the mechanics are aimed at. I think there are a lot of games where, like the out, like the supposed experience is not well supported by the mechanical toolkit mm-hmm. on offer, and so you get this. You know, you either have to clutch something together, or you have to teach people how to GM, which you shouldn't really have to do. Like the game, the game should teach you how to GM it. Like <laughs> if you have to do a lot of heavy lifting to really GM the game, then there's there's kind of a problem i mean no it, it should it, it, you want to make it as easy as possible on the player right they're they're doing the hardest job so you want to give them as many good tools as you can mm-hmm. and i feel like a lot of games kind of don't give them any tools at all don't outline good tools. yeah they don't give you yeah they don't give you any guidelines uh and when they do give you guidelines, they're very. There's some good advice. I read the the fifth edition Dungeon Master's Handbook, and there's some good advice in there for just running games. 
there's some good practical advice in there. And uh, so I, but there's something about, there's something about like, it's, it's the way it asks GMs to structure the session that becomes that seems to be a root for a, a lot of the, the issues and that's the that's the fact that you have to show up with a written adventure as the gm mm-hmm. so i think that's that that that's where a bunch of the problems start because that's where like that's where railroading comes from that's where you know <clears throat> there's no there's no real there's no real branching points in the story because there aren't any like it's you know either you feel railroaded or it's like yeah well here's the obvious where we need to go next let's go do that um and there's not there's there's no i mean cat would be making this point right now it doesn't matter who the characters are because the adventure was written before they got there so uh you can bake character backstory in, but you can't bake player contribution in. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it's well, you can if you're if you're doing a deft job of it. But there, if you're doing that, then there's not a real need to do all the preparation that those games are suggesting. Like you need bullet points of, you know, and maybe you need some stats for mechanical things the players are going to encounter if the game has those but i don't know that encouraging people to prep more than that is really a good idea i mean there's principles you can practice that are that you can only practice while you're doing it right there's also you know if if there is prep you need to throw in the garbage that feels bad yeah well it's 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 wasted time you know and yeah yeah, you're right it feels bad you know, like the first time you have a, a, a group of players blow through an encounter that took you three hours to prepare, uh, you 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 start to question the entire nature of the project. Or at least I did. So <laughs> uh, I have this thing where when a campaign ends uh, that I've been doing lately, where I tell the where I tell the players all the incidental notes of. How of how they diverge from my tentative early plans, and they seem to enjoy it. And I don't, and I like getting some of those ideas out. But <laughs> I, I, I have no love for. I don't spend time on it. It's just incidental, idle thoughts. Is my is where most of my like grid comes from, or like most of my thoughts on what should happen. And I don't even start writing those until I've done a session zero, and I know who the player characters are mm, right exactly yeah i don't I don't do anything until session zero is over i mean and that that's <laughs> very intentional like i don't know what i'm dealing with like i don't know what the players want out of the game yet like why would i bother having anything ready because i might like the players could say yeah we don't we want to do like this political thing or we're sort of like like the rich noble kids like doing this thing and I'd be like, all right, bye bye. Like, you know, what there's no point. Like just listen. Like that's what I feel like a lot of GM books should have is the very first thing. Just listen. Be good at listening. Pay attention to what the players are saying and what they're not saying. 
and what like this is harder to do all over over the internet and zoom and whatnot and i realized that but uh i think it's it's uh real easy as gm and i say this as somebody who's done it to project what you want out of the session into the session really hard and totally uh not make space for the other players to become engaged and being on the other end of that is not not really good it's not fun and so having been on both sides of the screen enough times in in those cases like i i noticed myself like just as i got better just making more space to listen to the players mm-hmm. and the more I did that, the better the sessions felt for them. So I just, I, I learned to fade into the background more. Yeah. Well, and RPGs are ultimately a collaborative experience. And so, yeah, a lot of it is about that communication uh, both ways. Yeah. 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 I mean, you have to be articulate. And you don't have to be articulate as a GM, but you have to give them enough to, to, to do something with or be willing to answer questions in in the affirmative, uh, you know, be willing to so. say yes to their dumb ideas or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like make, yeah. What's the downside? Like literally you're doing make believe. Like what? Yeah. What, I'm, in what, in what sense does it benefit anybody for you to hang on to your idea of what should happen? Yeah. Uh, this is just a note that I, I finally figured out like what about this people. It's like, like, Paying the players with what you give them. Well, uh, I, there are times when I don't want, when I don't want to just embrace the stupid thing and have it happen the way they want it to because it's funnier that way. I don't need to nitpick every problem with their plans. I especially, you know, it's not even an option for, like, I guess this is partially brought, uh, come to me because it's not as much of an option for me with two of my groups now because I have players who are better at the type who are like blatantly better at planning and problems and that type of problem solving than I am. So what <laughs> what the hell? I can't I can't <laughs> produce conflict from them. They, they they've done more to co- cover their ass than I <laughs> Yeah, it's it's fine. Yeah, if you have players that like doing that stuff, let them. Like yeah. that's you know let it land, let it be cool. Let, let their plans be cool. Like, you know, have their plans, you know, uh, be disrupted by a twist that isn't disrupted to their plans, which is tricky, right? Have something outside happen. Like, there, there's so many ways for, like, you're in total control of the narrative. Like, dingus, let the plan happen and then do something else. Like, you know what I mean? I am not in total control of the narrative. I I resent that. Yeah. Statement, but yes, <laughs> I get it. I'm sorry. Let me let, 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 let me correct because you're right. You're not in total control. You 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 can, as GM, you can direct the narrative. To you can you can you have a lot of control to direct narrative focus. You can yes, yes. you can make something happen in the world that becomes hyper salient to the players right away. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, I, did, I didn't. That, that was no, me being, that was me being a Catrice, but also I felt the need to say it. <laughs> right, well, no, that. Thank you. So, thank you for for representing our, our missing uh, our missing comrade. 
and uh you're right and she's right by extension i guess uh yes it's not the same you don't have control but you have uh the ability to move the narrative spotlight for the rest of the people right so where the other players have the ability to move the spotlight for themselves and to an extent for the other players like if they do something pretty pretty outsized and everybody had like is now affected by it well then you know yeah but generally games don't incentivize that kind of play uh where uh players are the ones like radically shifting the 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 spotlight um there are some games that do it uh but rarely so as the GM or guide or board DM or whoever you are, you it's it, you all so much is on you to uh uh illuminate the path for the players that the players are kind of asking for. And that's why you gotta listen. Yeah, well and you also know. listening is very helpful if you're like me and when you're jamming you have no idea what's gonna happen next. Because you tell the players, like, oh, there's you know, a building over there. And then they just go, oh, my God, is that this or this? And then you just go, yeah, it's probably that. I didn't know what the fuck it was until you said, you know, you asked me about it. Um, but it's it, you told me what the thing that would probably be most interesting to you. So here it is. Yep. <sighs> Now, besides Ashes, do you know of a game that mechanizes that? Um, no. I mean, oh God, what what is that? There, there's fate and giving things aspects, but that's not really the. Yeah, I mean, my game has Mother Nature's boons and snags, which is sort of in that same thing, but wouldn't call it exactly the exactly the same thing right the game, the game doesn't regurgitate your stuff back at you like as a as a matter of the the the, the mechanics rolling around um yes okay uh, yeah and yeah i don't i'm not sure I, I uh what let me think. No, I don't that doesn't do it. No, I don't know I don't know another game that mechanizes that. I mean there's the one like it's a very simple RPG that I know of, which is just the you tell me. It's just yeah, I think it's just called the you tell me system. Mm-hmm. Um which the whole thing is just you know, oh does this happen? I don't know, you tell me. Basically. <laughs> right that's which is you know uh good gming in a nutshell mm. more or less uh but uh it's not it like that, that, that's not very system specific and it doesn't really help with adjudication uh if you need to do that right so like i don't know there's i don't know who gives a <laughs> shit just have fun <laughs> that 
Says the person. Says the person writing Ash's yeah. little of the Magi. <laughs> anyway, care. I'm a hypocrite. Rob's gonna care. write all this stuff yep. and then release Ashes, and it's gonna be hundreds of blank pages with just ah, fuck it, just have fun written on it in big text. It'll be the steal of this book of the RPG <laughs> world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that actually already exists, but uh, oh yeah, it probably does. Yeah. Think of the. I'm trying to think of the book that literally encourages. Okay, pl- please download this and please download a copy for each of your friends, or link them to this place where they can download it. Uh, yes, I have a. Yes, I have a store. Yes, that here is the store place where you can buy it. But here is a link for extra materials where that is actually the entire game. And I'm trying to remember what game did that. Hmm. Pretty cool game. Cool um, game, guys. So, currencies, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, did we want to get back on topic? I don't have anything else uh, to say about it. Myself, really. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like their currencies. They do good stuff for games. I think, for the most part, I, I think, uh, you know. They're good when they're go. good. They're generally good. They're generally good. They're, they are good if they, if you oh. want them to exist. Uh, they shouldn't exist in everything, and you should consider, and you should use them when you have an idea that you want to use them for. Yeah, uh, one, okay, cautionary tale, one second, uh, let me, uh, let, there was a game that I played recently, not super recently, but in the last year, uh, that has, Right. Okay. Uh, Dune, the Dune uh, Modiphius game. You roll d20s, and it has um, three meta currencies. There is momentum, threat, and determination. So momentum is generated after roll and can be spent immediately to gain additional effects on the result, um, or they can be banked i think in a shared pool available to everybody so all players have the same momentum pool and you can spend them to get uh more dice before a roll and i think it increases for every die so the first one costs one the second one costs two and the third one costs three so uh meaning that Oh yeah, so meaning that if you get three dice, you spend all you get three dice on a roll, then you're dumping, you're emptying the pool essentially. Um, the although that's not the best use for them, I remember the, the the other thing you could do is you could spend two to do something narratively in a scene to like just create change or remove a trait about the scene or situation. So you could like you could um, basically change an aspect because it was kind of like fate ish two d twenty. And then threat is the GM's version of that, uh, where the GM can introduce uh, complications 
uh, by spending threat and gain more dice on enemy rolls. And uh, I think it's the same currency. It's like two to gain, to change something in the scene for the worse, and then like escalating amount for adding to a roll. And then determination was something only PCs had. And they were like fate points, but I don't remember how they tied into your belief statements about your character. Uh, I don't remember what they gave you. But so you, the players had access to two different kinds of meta currencies that you spent to do different things. Um, both of them manipulated dice. I remember determination also gave you rerolls, re- but you, okay. So determining was reroll. Determination was rerolls after the fact. Momentum was bonus dice beforehand. Yeah. So don't do it like that. Don't do meta currency where you have multiple meta currencies that do different things, but they're mm. kind of overlapping. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say if you have it, like. Every, every every player in that game was confused, and I, I, I did a, I took the the quick start and bullet pointed it in as succinctly as possible, and let them read it over, and they all agreed that it made sense. They understood what the mechanics did, and then during the game, uh, there was like, oh wait, what what does determination do again? Which one does the reroll, and which one's the yeah? Okay, that was that. It was that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, if you're going to add a meta currency to your game, make it really clear what it does and, and, and make it and label it really clearly. So it, 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 it should be obvious. (laughs) Like momentum and determination, like what are those? Okay. So one's clearly from you. And then the other one's kind of from you if it's your momentum, but what do you, what's like, what's the mechanical breakdown of momentum versus determination in a story setting? Like, what, you know, no, you know, like, I, like, you can't do that. That's, <laughs> I mean, you can, but look, man, like three pretty experienced gamers, like, all had questions in the middle of the session after reading uh, the quick start and the bullet pointed quick start. So, mm. It, it was, it's, you know, it's confusing enough that uh, it was, it caused uh, narrative flow breakage mm-hmm. in the middle of scenes, you know, when people wanted to figure out. And, like, the, the, the way it was limited with, like, holding six and, like, I don't know, it just didn't feel, it felt weird. It felt like there was... Uh, Getting dice before the roll was kind of great every time um, because you could get momentum back on rolls pretty easily. Um, so, but determination, I don't remember when determination was spent. Don't, yeah. Don't give players yeah. too many mechanics. Giving them three meta currencies, unless that's like the main mechanic. That's that's too much. It just you just got too much Euro game in my role playing game. Get it get out of there. 
But what if I want to trade? If I wanted to do that, I would play fucking Catan. I'm playing goddamn Star Wars or whatever. Does anyone have wood for sheep? No. No, sheep are better than wood for sheep. (laughs) I have more uses for sheep than wood. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, this is, this has been our discussion of metacurrencies. Unless somebody else has any other um, things they want to say, you can spend this episode as a metacurrency to lose roughly an hour and a half of your life. That is all. Good night. Yeah, you're, you're not you're not terribly wrong, but I I, I you're just <laughs> wrong enough. I feel like a lot of people multitask when they're listening to podcasts. I hope so. If you're just doing this uh, and and listening to our voices, well, thank you. Why? But also, you know, go, go do some yoga. Uh, do like you know, stretch a little. Like you. I around. didn't say you yeah. have to. I said you can. You can spend it if you would like to. You can. Saying you probably yeah, you- should. <laughs> yes. Good good night everyone. Uh, I'm Kabor. There's also Fred and Rob here. It's Fred Rob. Fred Rob and Kevor. Oh. We do things that are game related, uh, ostensibly all oh. you know, ish. Who cares? Just have fun. All right. Good night everybody. It's not where you are. Uh, I'm gonna stop the bot. No, I'm not. I should really stop the bot. I should have the bot stop queued up before I before like uh, right when the episode starts.